Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. We will say those very words at your funeral. Me, or some other pastor will stand here for some of you and speak these words along with the congregation as your casket is covered with the brilliant white pall adorned simply with a cross, a cross that is placed on you when you were baptized, put upon your forehead and upon your heart, there, when you are marked as one who is baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the risen Lord Jesus Christ has given his church to do as before he ascends into heaven. It's the last thing he told us. Paul, St. Paul in Romans, of course, writes these words to not dead people, but to people who are very much alive. Paul writes these words about dying with Christ in holy baptism and being raised with him and walking in newness of life. He writes these words to a congregation of people that he had never met. He writes them to a congregation of baptized people who were given newness of life. He writes these words to a group of people who had been freed from the old ways of life and living, the ways that pursue death. He writes these words to people who are baptized out of a way of life in which you pursue all sorts of things which just fade and go away. What would it look like if your life was spent in pursuit of things that cannot die and fade and go away? What if your life was lived truly in newness? What if you sought those things which are permanent, what would that look like? Well, would you fear the things of this world? Would you fear and love things like money and, and status? Well, no, of course not. Those all go away. Or would you rejoice that everything in the world has been given to you would you rejoice that even now you are seated with Christ in newness of life? Because what could you possibly have to gain from a world that quite simply is wasting away? And what can they even take from you? I mean, this world is often very enjoyable. There's wonderful things in this world. And the Lord gives us uh, these things because they are wonderful. But the joy fades. A good meal or a good drink is indeed really good. It really is. But in a few hours, you just have to do it again. It's gone from your body and then it's time for more. So what would it look like if we actually believed these words from Romans about what has been given to you and done to you in holy baptism? Would we cancel the world? Would we hide away from one another? Would we hide from the church? 
I don't think so. So today we celebrate the beheading of a man who did not fear the world. Today we celebrate John the baptizer who lives a life that, well, you could not really imitate and I would not even suggest you try. Remember that John the Baptist is the first one to recognize Jesus. We heard this two weeks ago when we celebrated the Blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, leaps in the womb when he comes close. When they come close to one another, even as mere months old fetuses, John is so joyful about this. And John continues to live a life of leaping joy in Christ, and he rejoices in the forgiveness of sins that is given from God, and he gives it to other people too. And then sometimes people come around who weren't actually there for the forgiveness of sins. They just kind of wanted to nail the people who were there for that. It just chases them away. They're not scared of them at all. People followed John. People listened to John. He's a guy who looked like he lived what he believed. And they wanted and they needed the forgiveness of sins, and so they went out to him out in the middle of nowhere. They walked right into the desert to receive the forgiveness of sins. The Lord gave John a voice and he used it. He is a true prophet because he speaks truth. And then he speaks truth to a king and calls him to repentance. Now you or me, you know, if we tweet out against the president or whatever, it's not going to get anywhere. No one cares what you have to say to our president. This one or the last one or whoever they are. I don't think so. But John, though, people listen to him. So who will stand up and speak against sin today? And who will stand up and speak against sin, not in just some general way, but in a way that cannot be ignored? The people ignore the church all the time. I don't know if you know this, but they do. But when is the church spoken particularly to you? Have you found yourself in some sin and then the church, your pastor or your neighbor, someone else has called you on it and told you about it? My experience is that we're kind of fine with the general call to repentance. We like theoretical confession. We like theoretical repentance. Yes, that's all very nice. But when it gets to be too individual, too practical, you know, specifically, like when you start talking about me and my sins, well, then, then it's worth defending. And most of the time what happens is people just kind of leave the church. Tell someone they shouldn't be a Freemason. Well, then they're just gone. Tell someone that Sunday morning sports are dangerous. They're just gone. Tell someone that coming to that not coming to church is bad for you. Well, then they'll come even less. We all long for the Christian America, but no one really wants to do anything about it and just hopes that someone else will do it. So John the Baptist, though, he's like, 
not okay with that. He's going to do it himself. So it's interesting. He called Herod to repent for marrying his brother's wife. And it's not clear that this sort of thing even affected John. I'm not sure how that would even have anything to do with John. But the problem here is that Herodias, okay, she had divorced her husband and then married up. So she was she divorced her previous husband and then got married to Herod because, well, it's a better position in society and that looks great. But, you know, it's just someone else's weird sin, isn't it? What does that have to do with me? Well, your sin is never just your sin. He's not confined to yourself. Even your private sins, even your, the sins that happen only in your head, they get out and get the rest of us all dirty. It gets on all of us. So John saw that it's not good to have adulterous people with weird sins leading the world. So John says as much, and he ends up in prison. Why? Because he has people listening to him and it matters what he says. And they might actually do something about that. Eventually, his head is cut from his body and put on a plate at a dinner party. Hmm. Interestingly, Herod, he didn't really want to do this anyways, but he made a promise and a promise is a promise. And Herod, as evil as he is, is afraid that John will be raised from the dead. And he is right to fear that. If you walk in the newness of life that is given to you in holy baptism, that very well could happen to you. Probably not, I'm guessing. But I do know a former chaplain who got into trouble for praying in the name of Jesus, and he was very quickly... Uh, exiting the military. Things like that can happen to you. They really can. And we know the beheadings still happen. But again, it's probably not really likely. Today we celebrate the bloody death of John the Baptist. This is the man who baptized Jesus Christ. And yet, he lives with Christ. Yesterday, if you're keeping track at home, which you should, we remembered St. Augustine of Hippo. So this man, St. Augustine of Hippo, born 350 years or so after John, he lived in this newness of life in a very different way, though he would have gladly suffered for it as well. Augustine of Hippo, he is speaking truth not to a particular ruler, but he's speaking about a particular doctrine. Augustine didn't have to speak to Herod, but he speaks against a man named Pelagius, and you're all shaking in your boots, I know. You should be. Pelagianism is scary, and it's all over the place. Pelagius was teaching that humans were inherently good and did not really need God's grace. Augustine, equally fearless of the world around him. He writes wonderful things, lots of things. And he even writes the world's first autobiography, the Confessions. And he writes this wonderful thing. 
that you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's just beautiful. Everyone is restless, and until you find rest in Jesus Christ, you won't find it. But when you do, you do find true rest and real rest. Augustine is allowed to kind of think about these sorts of things and compose these things and write these things. This is what newness of life looks for him. Augustine's mom is named St. Monica. Well, she's just born Monica, but uh, later on we call her St. Monica. And we remembered her on Friday. And Monica saw that she had this really bright sun. And she prayed that he would be converted and use his intellect for the church rather than for paganism as he was doing. Because Augustine was looking around all these different philosophies and religions that seemed way cooler than Christianity. Because Christianity just seemed too simple and boring. Unsophisticated. And then a crazy thing happened. Eventually, Augustine opens his Bible and he actually read them. If you think that the Bible is boring, if you think that the Bible uh, doesn't do anything and is not powerful, there is one reason for that, that you have not actually opened it up and read it. Someone told you that it was boring. See for yourself. It's anything but. Augustine is baptized and becomes the Bishop of Hippo, wonderful name for a city, in North Africa. And for decades he is the pastor there. And then he dies as the vandals are surrounding the city and beginning to destroy it as the Roman Empire is absolutely falling around them. So see, your, your life maybe looked like St. John the Baptist. It might. Your life may look like Augustine's. It might. Both of those are probably unlikely. It's unlikely that you'll write thousands and thousands of pages of works that will influence the rest of the world for the rest of history. And it's also probably unlikely that your head will end up on a platter at a dinner party. I hope not. It'll probably be somewhere in the middle. But you can certainly take St. Monica's lead and pray for your children. So we do not know how your life will go. But we do know that your life will be lived in the newness of your baptism. Whether it takes you to prison or whether it takes you to go on and to influence all of Western culture and society, I cannot tell you that and you cannot even know. But we do know that you will die one way or the other. And when you do, we will speak these words, which you have now heard, that you have died with Christ and that you will rise with Christ. John the Baptist, Monica, Augustine, they will rise with Christ. And they lived like they knew that was true. Amazing. You will rise with Christ because of what he has done for you in your baptism. And how will you live if you know that that is the truth? Will you give the bare minimum? 
Will you be satisfied with being a part-time Christian? Well, they weren't. And you won't be able to either. John, Augustine, Monica, none of them were looking for these lives that they found. Instead, they were given to them by the Lord himself, who had also given them the newness of their lives. And as distinct as they all are, yours will be too. And yet any life lived in Christ is worth living. For it's new, it's joyful, no matter where it takes you. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.